0: Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. Think of how different pictures look when you add a different filter and lenses to, let's say, your phone or your camera. Depending on which filter you use, you'll get a totally different view of the same exact target. For instance, there's a filter there on the screen. It'll change the view. It doesn't change the picture, but it changes how you see that picture. I got another picture I want to show you here for a moment, and that has to do with before and after. There are some lenses, there are filters called polarizers. For those of you that take pictures, and you know about this more than I, I am not a by any stretch of professional but as I read about these polarizers what's interesting is that polarizers are some of the most popular filters on the market it removes certain light frequencies from the spectrum and the effects the pictures in such a way that ultimately it removes glare from surfaces it saturates colors without it looking grainy and it reduces haze and if you look at the picture, it kind of brings out parts of the picture that maybe you did not see before. These are called polarizers. It's just one filter of many different things and many different filters you can add. I want to talk about the similarity between filters and our faith today. Because the truth is that every one of us are seeing things on a day to day basis, but depending on the lens in which you see through, Also depends on what that picture looks like to you. How many would agree with what I'm talking about? The lens in which you use will change how you see that image, it interprets it. And we can see obedience differently depending on the lens we carry. The Bible talks about in the New Testament that to some, a meat would be a sin, to eat certain things would be a sin. And so what what does he talk about? You know what? If that's a sin to that person, let it be so. Because that person has their individual convictions. Right? There's some things that are blanket wrong. Let me make that very clear. There's certain things you don't be like, well, you know, adultery is not really that bad. There's certain things that God has explicitly said, this is wrong. And we have those. And I won't go into that. Well, what I will go into is that there's some areas in our life that maybe are not as clear-cut. Some areas and things that are happening that are not as clear-cut. You know what? Depending on the lens that you see through could determine how you interpret that scripture. But I know one thing is for sure. The Holy Spirit wants to bring truth out. And the truth is that the scriptures are God's love letter to us today. It's the love letter to mankind, but many have taken this love letter and twisted it. How many know somebody that has taken a scripture and twisted it? You're like, wait a second, I had nothing to do with that scripture. Unfortunately, it's not just people you know, it's people on TV, people in the pulpit. I always welcome you to test what I'm saying to you on a week-to-week basis. I don't want you to take I hope that you trust me as your pastor. I hope that you trust me as a man of God. But here's what I do. I want you to trust the Bible more than anything else. So you can do that. But people have twisted the word of God for their own gain. For example, some people view the scriptures in the Bible as a spare tire. Right? I'm going to I'm going to do what I do until something goes terribly wrong and I'm going to pull out that tire. Lord Jesus, help me. How many know that some people use prayer as a spare tire? Some of us have used it as a spare tire. Dare I say that? Every one of us have done it. Kind of went our own way a little bit and something goes wrong and er, you're back on track. Lord Jesus, help me. Spare tire, right? And then there are other people that have realized that the Bible and the word of God... is our, it's actually our uh, steering wheel. It's what we guide the car with. And so, daily, we have to understand that what we do as believers, here's my title, are you ready? As we begin this series called Serpents and Doves, this morning's message is entitled, There is a Why. There is a why. And so we realize that there is a why. There is a why we do what we do. There is a hope to what we do. And understanding that God is present right here, right now, and there is a why in loving people. When we try to persuade others, some of us, uh, maybe some of you have had a coworker, somebody at school, you try to tell them about your faith, right? You try to tell, well, let me do it like Pastor Tony or let me do it like this person and then you're like, I can't quite do it that way. It's different and you kind of give up on sharing your faith because you don't do it like this person or sing it like that person or can I tell you something? Do it like you. You know why? Because that person wants to know why you're doing it, not why I did it. There is a why. Let it be your why, not my why. Why? Don't, work, don't, don't wait for the church to respond for you. You need to have a reason for your hope, amen? You need to have a reason why you do what you do. There is a why. Somebody say, there is, a why. there is a why. That's my message this morning. There is a why. And we'll touch base with that a little bit. But the series itself, as we begin it this morning, is called Serpents and Doves. And so here's what we're talking about. Matthew 10, 16 simply says this, Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. This, in case you don't have the red letter edition of the Bible, is Jesus telling his disciples. I love this this quote I found, and I want to read it to you. It says, now the wisdom of the one and the harmlessness of the other are very desirable. To be combined in Christian character because it is such a union, only the Christian will be enabled to cope successfully with his more powerful enemies. What is he talking about? This is Charles Simeon and he wrote that because he's talking about serpents and doves. Serpents don't have a great picture in the Bible. Is that true? The serpent... The serpent in and of itself, some of you say, uh, like my wife would say, that is a demonic animal, period. She she just is adamant that that is a demonic animal, period. Cursed. Cursed, okay? But truth be told, the animal itself doesn't draw people to Christ or away from Christ, right? It may draw you closer to death or fear, but it doesn't draw you to heaven or hell. So in and of itself, it is not evil per se. But the way that it moves and the way that it perceives, the way that it understands its environment. Jesus said, be wise as serpents. And here's Jesus tying in serpents to the Christian faith. What? But then he turns and he says, but harmless as dogs. He said this in context. Here it is, because I want to bring it in context for a moment. I want us to understand that when he said this, he was sending out the disciples two by two. So he says, when you go out, not if, when you go out, be smart, be alert, understand where you are and your surroundings. We just got back a, a few days ago. No, it's actually a little longer than that—a week um, ago—from a missions outreach in Philadelphia. I cannot tell you how important it is to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves than being in the inner city outreach. That whole watch and pray scripture—I took that seriously. I didn't pray with my eyes closed often that entire those entire time there. I pray with my eyes open, Lord Jesus, right now. Why did I get southern all of a sudden? What was that? I don't talk like that. That was weird. Like I'm from Texas or something. What just happened? Not there, Jesus. Lord, right now. I'm sorry. That was a path I should not have walked. <laughs> But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched and I prayed. Why? Because God has called us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's a characteristic of the Christian faith. Now when you go out to share your faith, this is what you do. Not if you decide that you're good enough. Not if you go to Bible school. Not if you pass a class on evangelism 101. It's when you go, when you share your faith. So this Charles Simeon in his quote, he's saying, listen, to be a serpent and a dove at the same time, that's the delicate balance, but we got to have that as Christians, yes? Or else we will be lost in how to reach people. We got to be mindful of what draws people's attention. In an area that has an abundance of such and such, I'm not going to offer that free. Does that make sense? I got that already. But an area that lacks, as we handed out food in that outreach. Some people walked up to us and said, I haven't had food in three days. I haven't had food in four days. They treated that pretzel like a hundred dollar bill when they got online. They were excited. They were high, they were needy, but they were excited. And I saw the love of God activated among our people. We have to understand in the proper context, God has called you to reach people, friends. The church has become irrelevant because the believer has become irrelevant. It's not about how fancy a message I can present to you this morning because there's very clear-cut, dry message I have for you this morning. I have no fancy things I want to show you. I have no extra videos I want to show you. I just want to tell you how important it is that you have a why. How important it is that you stand firm on your why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we love the way we love? Why do we embrace this faith the way we do? Friend, successful Christian living requires that we strike the optimal balance between serpent and dove. This entire series, I want to walk through this series with you. I want us to understand that God has called you to be wise and harmless. And how do we engage people in our faith? How do we do we do this? Well, I'm glad that you at least have been here this morning to start this because God is not calling you to be a pushover. He's calling you to be smart, tactical, and prayerful, all in the same vein. Come on somebody. We also understand that we're facing an enemy that's tactical. An enemy that knows your weaknesses quicker than you're ready to admit them. Is that true? How many know that the enemy knows your weaknesses? And some of us are quick to not even admit them. We want to hide them and suppress them because we don't want to admit that we have weaknesses. Everyone in this room, including myself, we all have weaknesses. Areas that we're not strong in. Right? Give me a nod or something. Let me know you're awake. All right. I need you to understand something. You're not alone. And evangelism, while nine out of ten people in this room will probably say evangelism is very important. Right? then why aren't we evangelizing? Most of us will say, absolutely, pastor. Well, isn't that what we pay the church to do? No, Jesus already paid that bill. He paid that bill for you to evangelize. He paid that bill so you could tell someone about Jesus. Our job as pastors and leadership is to equip you so you can do better jobs. So you can be better equipped to do what you're supposed to do. My job is not to evangelize for you, Okay. Peter says it like this. First Peter tells us this. Live such good lives among the pagans. That's not a word used very often, but we're going to use it this morning. Pagans is just another fancy word for those who don't know the truth. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Hello? First Peter 2.12. In other words, you live your life, they accuse you, they see that you're righteous, then they say, wait a second, there's something different. He didn't respond the way most people would have in this situation. She didn't respond the way most people would. Have. How many of ever uh, you came to Christ, someone did something to you, You acted correctly and you said, wow, I would have never done that before I met Jesus. How many ever had a situation like three of you? Okay, we need to pray right now. Three, and that's a high number, okay? I'm saying, how many of you ever had a situation where you acted the way Christ wanted you and you were like, hey, good job, me? And you realize it was Jesus, really, but you kind of gave yourself a pat too? A little bit of both, mostly him but live in such a way that when they see that, they go, wait a second, something's different. And you know what they do? They don't glorify you. Peter says they glorify God. They glorify God. See, when we engage people outside of the faith, we got to remember the why so we confirm our beliefs in our lives. Amen? There is a why. Somebody say, there is a why. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to jump into this text. That was kind of my introduction, but we'll go through the rest here. Scriptures teach us something phenomenal here this morning. I love this passage. As I was looking at it, it's so meaty. Uh, It's so rich with so much, and I want to walk this through. And I want to kind of approach this a little differently. I want to approach this a little bit like a teacher today. Can I do that? I have a desire to preach, but this text doesn't allow me to preach just yet. I may break out in spontaneous preaching. But for a moment, allow me to teach what this passage is meaning to us. So let's read beginning, uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. And we'll see if we can get through this here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Pretty clear? You're going to get rewarded according to your good the good things you've done and rewarded according to the things that you missed so let's move on verse 11 so then we know what is it is to fear the lord we try to persuade others what we are plain what we are what we are is plain to god and i hope it is also plain to your conscience we are not trying to command ourselves i commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Let me stop for a moment. Let me break this down for a moment. You ready? Number one, I want us to understand verses 11 and 12. There are three things that stood out to me. Number one was we should persuade others, verse 11. right? We look at that, we say, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade Others, it is our job as believers to try to reason with people as best we can. Listen, not everybody will accept it and that's God's to take care of. Don't make that your responsibility that every person you talk to is going to receive Jesus. There's some that are going to laugh at you Some that are going to dismiss you. Some that are going to say, this faith you're walking is a joke. And some might even spit at you. That's not your job to win them. Your job is to do your best to persuade in any way that you can. Let them know about the love of God in your life and pass that along. Let the conversion be the Holy Spirit's conversion. Let the conversion be the Holy Spirit's job. The conviction and the conversion and that works in that order. The Holy Spirit convicts then he converts. That depends on the people giving their heart to God. So the first thing we learn is we have to persuade others. The other thing he said is take pride in your faith. Listen, this is what he said. But are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. What is us? The body of Christ. Take pride. Listen, I love Freedom Life Church. I take pride in our fellowship. I do. Is that going to determine my faith forever and all eternity? No. I'm not going to, I'm not going to heaven by Freedom Life's van or bus or plane. I'm, not, I'm going through the tales of Jesus. I'm, I'm going because he died. I'm going because he resurrected for me. Are you feeling me? I'm telling you that it is because of Christ. So we, we got to take pride in this faith that we have. Why, why is it that some people are so scared about telling others of what church you go to or what your faith is? Take pride in what you believe. Amen? This is Paul telling the church in Corinth, take pride in us. Share your faith. There's people that are sharing their faith that's not even true. And they take more pride in their false gods than we do in our own God that's real. Oh, that'll preach right there. I'm not going to get on that horse. That is a wild horse right there. People, People are more committed to their false gods than we are our real God. Why? Look at me. Why? Why is that the case? Take pride in this faith that you own. Own it. Take it follow it. And then the third thing he said right there, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen. In other words, so you can tell those who are following a different way, let me tell you why. Somebody say, "There there is a why. There is a why. There is a why in what we do. So you can answer those who take pride in what they do. That's what this entire piece of passage is telling us right there in a nutshell. So let's move on. Can we do that? Verse 13. If we are out of our mind, as some say, (laughs) can anybody ever? No, okay. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Listen, you know what that says? Can I say this real quick? If everyone believes everything you say all the time and everything makes sense, you're either peddling to their need Or your God is too shallow. I'm going to just throw this out there. If everybody understands everything you say all the time and believe everything you believe. Every time that comes out your mouth. Either you're peddling something that that they want to hear. Or your God is way too shallow. Because there's some things I can't explain about God. Anyone that's been in the faith longer than a few months. You start realizing there's some things you just can't explain about God. Uh, there's some mysteries that will not be overturned or, or shown until I stand before him one day. Is that right? One day I'll stand before God and he will answer those questions. Until then, there's some things I just can't answer. And that's okay. Listen, can I tell you something As it, just as a believer? Um, it's okay to say, I don't know. Instead of making up something that you're not even sure yourself. Some people try to make up answers just so they don't feel dumb. I'd rather honestly feel dumb than dishonestly look smart. Right? So if you don't know, you don't know. But I'll look it up for you. And go back and do your homework. You have a wonderful leadership team, whether life groups or leaders To help you break down some of these things. So let's move on. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live will no longer live for themselves. That is us. But for him who died for them. And he was raised again. If the world thinks you're strange and out of your mind. You're probably heading in the right direction. That's, all that's basically what the passage is saying. Not everything. If they think you're straight cuckoo, then maybe that's a little different. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if the world thinks that's hard to believe, then you might be in the right direction. Because not everything in the Christian faith makes sense to me. And I've been in the Lord over 20-something years. 20 years. <laughs> all right? Longer. Don't say longer doesn't matter how long you've been in the Lord. There's still things you will not understand. And that's okay. The love of God helps us to process those things. So let me move on. And I'm going to read a bigger chunk. And then I'll just share with you a few thoughts. And here it is. Verse 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll get to that in a minute. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. What is an ambassador? A representative of a place to another. We are ambassadors of heaven on earth. This is not where we live. This is just where we are. Yeah? You're like, no, I live here. No, no, no. As a believer, we don't live here. Our home is not here. Our home is with him. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. And I'll go on with the last few verses here. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does that mean? You can't lead people places that you've never been. If you're going to be a representation of God, you got to know him. So he's saying this, you are... You are bringing the message of reconciliation to the world. Note, be reconciled to God. If you're going to know that, hey, I got to tell people about Jesus, you got to know him. Because when you go before them and if you don't have the spirit of God leading you, you're going to speak and they're going to go, Peter and Paul, I know, but who are you? Do you remember that? In scripture, there was a point where people were trying to speak of their own authority. They were speaking in their own strength, within their own spirit. Can I tell you something? You need the Holy Spirit to lead this conversation. God made him who had no sin for us. Last verse. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, there's so much to unpack. But for the sake of time here. I have to only be able to hit this. You need to study this. Can I invite you to do this this week? Take this passage I just read to you. Read it again. And when you're done, read it again. Okay? And see what that speaks to you. But I'm going to kind of hit this in a certain way. The fear of God. Let me unpack this a little bit for you. The fear of God is very important. You have to understand that. When, the reason why we evangelize is because there's one day where people will stand before God Naked and ashamed because they have all their sin still on their account. And worse off, people that knew better but never did something about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You as believers, we as believers have a responsibility to be wise and harmless. So this passage taught me several things. Number one, Christians must be motivated by love. Is that right? Come on, for those of you taking notes, write this down. Christians must be motivated by love, not by anger, not by wrath. You know people, you ever heard somebody preach and you said, that's not in love? You heard ever heard somebody preach hellfire, brimstone, that sort of thing in the streets, and you're like, that is a horrible representation of the cross. That's not who Jesus is. While what they're saying might be right, their motivation is wrong. And that hurts. Why not speak without a bullhorn in someone's face when you're standing face to face with them? Because you've seen the truth without feeling that truth for yourself. You heard it, but you never experienced that love. There are people that understand the love of God but never, ever show it. Whether it's each of us being grateful for our lives, God has called us to be motivated by love. Jesus loved the world so much that he, he gave himself as a righteousness, being forsaken for the unrighteous. Wow. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus who was our ministry of reconciliation. He was the minister of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? To be, to be brought back in right standing with. That's what reconciliation. To be brought back in right standing with, in this case, God. We were once in right standing. Sin came. Offered us something. We took it. We bid it. We now paid the price. Now we have to be brought back. And that is the word redeemed is another word for reconcile, to make it right, right? Redeemed is more like brought back. Reconcile is to be brought back again, right? Because you were once there. You can redeem something that you never had. You can get it and redeem it. But reconcile means I was once here, then I went away, but now I've come back. Do you see the difference? To be redeemed, you can get something and redeem it. You get a, you get, you can get a, a, for instance, let me look at it like this. How many have ever recycled before? Recycle, right? You ever got a can that wasn't yours and recycled that? What did you do? You redeemed that can. But if you have a can, put it to the side, grab it again, and then recycle it. It was yours from the beginning. So you've reconciled that back to yourself. That's that's the difference. What I'm saying is it wasn't, it wasn't yours. You didn't experience that before. There are people that God is redeeming through you. And there are people that God is reconciling through you. People that were here once that have walked away. You want to reconcile them. People that are, need to be redeemed that never knew who Jesus was. That's being redeemed. Are you getting that? God has called us to do that. That's why he sent them out two by two. Because sometimes one person is a little bit off. Some of you are laughing, <laughs> this true. Some, sometimes one person's never been in that situation, but the other one has. So what do you do? The person that is activated in their strength, they may take the lead on that one. Why? Because we weren't all created with the same gifts. We don't all have the same experiences. Listen, some of you have been in church your whole life. You've been redeemed Or rather, let me say this like this. For me, I was redeemed. I didn't grow up in church. Someone reached out to me, brought me to the cross. Others of you have been reconciled. You grew up in church, you kind of faded, but then someday something happened and you were brought back. You got to still be motivated by love. Amen? My second thought is this Christians do ministry. Christians to ministry. Can I tell you something? There should never be a time where you have to be begged to serve God. Never, ever, ever. There are seasons. There are seasons where you you learn and grow and you step away, and I get that. But you should never in your life be begged to serve God. Period. I'm going to leave that right there. Because God has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation refers to the work that believers have been given to do to bring the message of Jesus to the world. Is that right? The verse in the, that, that we read just a little bit, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation involves us proclaiming Jesus. People, I've heard it said, you know, preach, preach the cross or preach Jesus and if necessary, use words. I get that idea. But friend, we got to use the words too. Let's not leave this all to lifestyle. That's how we got ourselves in trouble. People took that and they moved on with it. That means I never had to evangelize. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that quote. That's somebody else than Jesus said. You hold on to that quote more than anything. Oh, by, by all, you know, if necessary, use words. I get the heart behind that. But some people that heard that didn't. And they've backed off their evangelism. They have backed off sharing their faith. And all of a sudden, they found themselves never, ever, ever sharing Jesus. Some of us can go years without sharing Jesus with other people. How many people have died under our watch? It's not a guilt trip. Please understand, I'm not trying to guilt you into... I'm trying to tell you the reality is that God has called you to do something. And it's uncomfortable when you've got to tell someone something. But if you know the why, it shouldn't be that uncomfortable. If you were redeemed, you should be able to tell someone why you were redeemed and what that means. God was reconciling the world to himself through us. My last thought is simply this. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. That has been done on the cross. But here's what we can do. We can help someone find theirs. Is that true? If you've ever led someone to Jesus in your life, it is, un- it is an unbelievable feeling. It is an unbelievable feeling to pray with someone. How about a team that went to Philadelphia to pray over someone? that you know they needed to know this Jesus. For those of you that daily go to a secular job and you got to represent Jesus there, be strong, be strong in the Lord and always understand that if we could achieve the righteousness that is required, there would be no need for Jesus. Did you hear that? If we could achieve the righteousness that God is asking for, there'll be no need for Christ. So here's our message God made him who had no sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's my final thought. Are you ready? Our message to those outside of the church must not be a message of mere moralism. That is far from enough. We can't say that the cross of Jesus is about living good lives. That's not enough. To be good is not enough. Your best good will never be good enough. Your bestest, best, best you by itself is not good enough. My bestest me is not good enough. I know that's not grammatically correct, but hear me. My very best is still rags, filthy rags before God pastor Tony that's real negative no that's a real bible unfortunately the world has told you gosh darn it you're good enough and I'm telling you in and of ourselves we're not good enough that's why Jesus died that's why he suffered that's why he was buried and that's why he rose again so that you can be good enough and it's only through him amen it's only through him. So here's the big idea. We'll toss this up on the screen. Here's the big idea. Our convictions and desire to persuade others should be rooted in the fear of the Lord and and the love of Christ combined. Look at me. The fear of God and the love of Christ. I respect God enough to honor him. And I love Christ enough to show somebody and tell somebody. Amen? Can I ask you to bow your heads right where you are right now? Just right where you are. Because as believers, we've all come into this room. Some of us, you wouldn't even categorize yourself. As a believer, you would say, I'm not even sure I know who Jesus is. So I'm going to give you an opportunity here in the beginning of this series, Serpents and Doves, to say, God, I don't even know how to start, where to start. But I need you in my life. If you're in this room today and something I said has spoken to you, and you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now to say, I need this Jesus you're talking about. I know most of the people in this room, amazing people, but there's a few I don't know. And I don't know where you are. And I want to offer you the wonderful opportunity that someone many, many years ago offered me and that's hope. So I offer you hope right now. That hope that is only found in Christ. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you a simple question. Lord, I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name that you would work on the hearts of men and women from the youngest to the oldest in this room that they would know who Jesus is. Father God, I'm asking you, if there's anything going on in this room in the heart of men that is away from you draw them to yourself right now holy spirit that they may know who you are and by far follow you from this day forward in jesus name i pray if you're in this room here today you're saying pastor tony i am can't say I know Jesus as my savior, but today I want to. I want you to shoot your hand up for three seconds and put it right back down. I can't say I know Jesus as my savior, but I want to. Three seconds, put it right back down. I want to make sure that I'm talking to the right people here. Hallelujah. Listen. Now I want to call on you believers. Pastor Tony, what you said is right on, straight on. I think we're supposed to be motivated by love. Yes. I think, we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to walk right before God. Yes, absolutely. We need to be reconciled. Let's do that. But I can't. I have not shared my faith with anyone in a long time. And I want to change that. I'm going to cut the feed here in a moment. And now I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you want to get right with God in this area where you're not sharing your faith with people, but you want to, if that's you, you're saying I'm a believer, but I have not shared my faith, but I know I need to just put your hand up real quick. Just put your hand up. That's me. That's me. Yeah. Several hands. Wow. You're being honest. And I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you all across this room to stand with me right where you're at. All across this room. I need you to understand two things. Number one, I'm never, ever going to stand on this pulpit and guilt you to the love of God. Okay? By doing things for Him. Never once was I motivated by guilt. I'm simply motivated because when I read this text, I realized how important it is for the believer to understand their ministry and their purpose. Every single one of us have been called to do ministry of reconciliation. Testify. Share our faith. Share the why. Because there is a why. Or else you wouldn't have come to Christ. Why did you come to Christ? There's your Why? That's your motivation to share your faith. Because your why to come to Christ will be the same reason you will use to share your faith. Don't separate them. The same reason you came to Christ could be the very same reason why you bring somebody else to Christ. He saved you for a reason. Stop thinking that it's somebody else's job. It is your job to do your purpose. Nobody else's. See, one day when you stand before him, he's not going to say, hey... What did this person do with their their assignment? No. He's going to ask you what you did with yours.